Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. The final from Progressive Field in Cleveland. In 11 innings after a ridiculous rain delay, it's the Seattle Mariners 6, the Cleveland Guardians 3. The Mariners come into Cleveland and really assert their dominance over the Cleveland Guardians this season. Sweep the series in Cleveland here. And uh, now force the Guardians into a tie atop the American League Central with the Twins beating the White Sox today. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy watching baseball being played. And I got to catch a little bit of this game, a little bit. I mean, frankly, that's impressive for anybody because this game was stretched out over the entire day, what was supposed to be a 2 o'clock start. Uh, They go through a four-hour-plus rain delay. They go through a a four-and-a-half-hour rain delay. It was longer. The rain delay was longer than the actual game, which was 347. And so it literally takes all day. So at, like, whenever this thing wrapped up, 1030, 11 o'clock at night, uh, you know, everybody's asleep. The baby's asleep. My wife fell asleep. The dog's asleep on the couch. I don't want to wake up in the morning on the holiday and uh, have to have to podcast, you know, have to wake up early to get the podcast in before everybody's awake. So it's again midnight here in Cleveland. The game just ended. I'm exhausted from running around all day doing dad things. And uh, this is now Cleveland Baseball Nightly. This has been kind of a long day. It's been a long day. I've been thinking about baseball a lot today. I, I accidentally got into it with people on Twitter. I, di- I didn't expect to. Quincy uh, Wheeler, one, another podcaster, uh, kind of responded to one of my tweets, and it started this firestorm of conversation, uh, which, I, frankly, I'm not used to having on Twitter. I'm used to screaming into the wind. Uh into the void that is Twitter. And uh, I actually had some conversation today, and it's it's frustrating for someone like me. I enjoy talking things out and having a real conversation. And to try to squeeze my thoughts into the, you know, the limited characters, I'm deleting things, I'm abbreviating things, just to try to fit an actual thought into a tweet. I don't like communicating that way. I would much rather sit down and do a podcast with Quincy and really get into what we were talking about. Uh, Basically, I was a little hard on Francona's comments. I was hard on the rookies yesterday, if you listen to yesterday's episode. And it comes from a place of my show is very much focused on the game, the actual game on the field, right? We're focused on the day-to-day minutia, the playoff race that's going on. Whereas Quincy and some of the other podcasters, they do focus more on the big picture. They they pay attention to the minor leagues more than I do, uh, to what prospects are doing and who's coming up and, you know, how this team is going to change and grow over the years. So he was coming from that approach. I was, I was frustrated that a pitcher came up from AAA in a spot start and couldn't throw strikes. And Francona, I thought, was a little easy on him in his postgame comments. That's, that's basically what I was saying. In a playoff hunt, right, with, with, with games that really, really matter, I needed, I needed a little more from our AAA pitchers this weekend. I, we needed it. We needed it. I mean, we needed hitting. 
frankly, a lot of people called that out. We needed hitting this weekend. We needed hitting all week, and it just wasn't there. We finally have some offense to talk about in this game. But I think Quincy and some of the other people on Twitter were looking more at the big picture for guys like Cody Morris and Xavion Curry, and I completely understand. I remember how long it took guys like Carrasco to figure it out, right? And uh, even Kluber took some time to figure it out. I remember that generation. And I know that these guys are going to need some time. And I know that these aren't even the best pitchers in the system. Those are the guys down at Double A, like Tanner Bibby and Gavin Williams. Those are the real top prospects that everybody's waiting on. These guys might find bullpen roles. They maybe one or two of them finds figures it out the way Corey Kluber did and can lead a staff. Who knows? Who knows if Pilkington or Curry or Morris is going to be one of those guys like Corey Kluber that just all of a sudden it locks in. But in a playoff race, I'm not focused on that right now. I just want to beat Seattle. I want to prove that we belong with the playoff teams. And Ken emailed in. He heard my rant yesterday. He said, let's face it, no one is hitting except Jimenez. He says, I see he was responding to my comments about the rookies and going through all the rookie debuts we've had this year. And he agrees, I see Quan is an outlier, he says, not your typical rookie. Most newcomers take a period slash year of adjustment. Unfortunately, all of ours are occurring at the same time, so I'm optimistic about next year. Also, the AL Central is the worst division of baseball. Whoever wins this division will get killed in the first round of the playoffs. I think next year uh, or two will be our year. Not sure if Tito will be managing given his health issues. So that was the email Ken sent in in response to our kind of rant yesterday to kick off the show. And I agree with a lot of what Ken is saying here. I mean, this team is going to continue to be competitive, and these players will develop and grow uh, over the next year or two of baseball. And I think I think we have a great nucleus to stay competitive in the, as he knows, the weakened American League Central. And so, yeah, so I agree with a lot of what he's saying here, Ken. I feel you on that email. Uh, I'm still, you know, I'm, I will talk about all that stuff. I'm so ready to focus on that stuff when the offseason rolls around. But I'm still curious what this team can do because there is some magic here. And they showed it in this game. They actually come back in this game. They, put to, they play some small ball. Right, They get a guy on, and they get him in in the 7th and the 8th inning. It's probably the top storyline of this game. So we, yeah, we get stuck in this rain delay. In the, uh, I don't even know, when did the rain delay come? In the middle of the 3rd, in the middle, or in the 4th inning? Uh, but either way, I think it's at the top of the 4th is when the rain delay hits. Because uh, Quantrill lets the first two guys on, and then boom, rain delay. And it just poured. It just hit hammered Cleveland. I don't know how they drained the warning track because people were tweeting out pictures from the ballpark of just pools of water sitting on the warning track, but somehow they're able to clear it out. We get back to playing baseball. It's not even fair to talk about Quantrill and George Kirby, the starter for the Mariners in this one, because they get washed away by the rain, basically. How their days would have ended up It looks like Quantrill was throwing a ton of pitches. He was up to 56 pitches after three innings. Would he have lasted very long in this game? I'd already given up five hits, so they were barreling him up pretty good. His two-seamer, I guess I am talking about him, 
Uh, his two-seamer was sitting middle of the plate a lot. Uh, got hit middle of the plate a lot. Kirby was pitching a little bit better. Three innings for him, three hits, one earned run, no walks, two strikeouts on only 39 pitches, only hard hit three times. So Kirby was a little bit more locked in than Quantrill was, but you never know with a rain delay like that how it would have ended up. So uh, the big storyline for this one is the Guardians offense finally shows some life. Uh, they respond in the first inning. They had tied the game up, and now they're down 3-1. to one. Goes all the way into the seventh inning. The bullpen had been pitching great. They'd kept us in the game 3-1 to one into the seventh inning. And here come the Guardians playing a little bit of small ball. Uh, it starts with Andres Jimenez. It starts with an Andres Jimenez walk. All right, whatever he's got to do to get on base. Uh, Ken had said in his email, you know, Jimenez is the only guy that's been hitting. Well, it's interesting. In the last seven games, yeah, he's hitting 261. All right, it's a six, just under 700 OPS. All right, that's not that great. But a 393 on base, four walks in the last seven games. Over the last 15 games, it's actually been a little quieter. 222 batting average. 306 on base percentage. Again, just over 600 OPS. All right, so maybe over the last 15 games, not so great. But over the last 30 games, he's a 302 hitter with a 385 on base with an over 800 OPS. So it depends where you... Last seven games, yeah, pretty good. Last 15 games, eh, kind of meh. Over the last 30 games, actually, yeah, he has been one of our better hitters. So it depends on which span of games you want to look at, Ken. But yeah, Jimenez is Jimenez is there. Jimenez is is a, been a revelation this year and should be hitting higher in the lineup. I saw someone complaining about that on Twitter yesterday when Ahmed Rosario got the day off. It was a travesty that Ahmed Rosario was batting seven. Andres Jimenez, sorry, Ahmed Rosario was on the bench. Andres Jimenez was batting seventh in that game yesterday. Meanwhile, Tyler Freeman was up batting second because he doesn't want to mess with the mojo too much. Francona's very worried about moving guys around in the lineup, messing with the lineup mojo. Meanwhile, the team hadn't been hitting. You bump Jose Ramirez up to second. You get Andre Jimenez hitting third. You break up the lefties that way, which I know I could see from his lineup he was concerned about. That's how Jimenez ended up in the seventh spot because he was going lefty-righty, lefty-righty balancing it out so we had to separate him from Naylor but you could have you could have solved that same problem by betting him third get him up there in the top third of the lineup let Andres Jimenez be the guy he's supposed to be the all-star who belongs in the top of the lineup all right so he gets this rally going by walking to kick off the inning against Diego Castillo we, I mean, our bullpen was effective. We used a lot of pitchers. The Mariners used a ton of pitchers. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten pitchers to get through this 11-inning rain-delayed game. So he walks and then steals second base, being aggressive on the base pass. That is definitely Andres Jimenez's MO, a 16th steal on the season. A Tyler Freeman ground out moves him up to third base. And then Austin Hedges... Hits a little chopper, a grounder up the middle. Uh, it's not much, but it's enough. It goes as a single, although it's kind of fumbled by J.P. Crawford. He probably should have come up with it and threw him out. But either way, Andres Jimenez was probably going to score. So a 65.8 mile per hour exit velocity infield single with an expected batting average of .040 gets the Guardians within one run. 
They manufacture a run in the seventh inning. Then they come up in the eighth inning. Ahmed Rosario kicks things off with a single. Uh, he and This is after Connor Pilkington. Connor Pilkington, who came up in Xavier Curry's place, after Curry got the spot start, he goes back down. Pilkington comes up because he can pitch in relief. And he goes one, two, three in that, in that uh, top of the eighth inning. And it sets the Guardians up to come back and tie this game. So Ahmed Rosario singles on a ground ball to left field. 108.1 mile per hour shot into left field. Uh, Jose Ramirez would strike out, but Ahmed Rosario would get all the way to third base. Honestly, I didn't see this play. There's no highlight of this posted. I have no freaking clue. The description on this is so confusing. I, if Tweet at me, I guess, if you know how Ahmed Rosario actually makes it to third base here. He steals second base, and I'm guessing on a throwing error or a missed ball by the catcher or something like that. Uh, it's The error is on Eugenio Suarez. Was he covering third? Was he covering second? Anyways, Ahmed Rosario steals and then goes up to third base on an error. Josh Naylor would come up, and he would chop one off the mound. A huge, high chopper. He had had a negative 82-degree launch angle. I mean, he just blasts this thing straight into the ground, and it takes a huge bounce. And uh, pitcher Eric Swanson has to wait and wait for this thing to come down, and Ahmed Rosario doesn't go. He doesn't go. And our third base coach, Sarbaugh, was was talking to him, was, was telling him to go. And he just can't do it. He can't break on the ball that stays on the infield. They throw out Naylor at first base. And uh, Ahmed Rosario is stuck at third base now with two outs. So you think, oh boy, you know, that was the opportunity to tie the game. Is Ahmed Rosario going to get stuck at third base? And this is the at-bat of the game right here. Oscar Gonzalez going against the closer, Paul Sewold, who's going for the four-out save for the Mariners. And I knew it. As soon as he got up there, I was like, it's going to throw him sliders away. Righty on righty against Oscar Gonzalez. He's absolutely, I didn't even know if he threw a slider. I knew he was throwing him a slider away. First pitch, what does he do? Slider away. Misses just off the plate. Very patient from Oscar Gonzalez. Next pitch, slider in the exact same spot, and this time Oscar Gonzalez flails at it. Okay, I guess he's not being that patient. Next one is a slider way off the plate, and he's able to lay off that for ball two. Then, okay, he's got to mix him up a little bit. Comes inside with a four-seam fastball, but he misses. He misses in off the plate. It's now a 3-1 count. It's in Oscar Gonzalez's favor. Of course, he's going to go back outside with the slider. And I'm thinking to myself... I'm thinking to myself watching this, right? There's only one thing a hitter can do with a slider that's breaking down and away from him like that. He's got to shoot it towards right field. He's got to shoot it towards that first baseman, shoot it towards that right field line, right? That's the That's got to be the approach, right? That's what I'm thinking in my head. If it were me and they just kept busting me with sliders away, I'm trying to shoot them down into right field until they stop doing that. Well... Oscar Gonzalez somehow does the exact opposite. Somehow, somehow he gets the barrel head of the bat out there and he pulls this thing in the left field. A nice, beautiful line drive single in the left field. It scores Ahmed Rosario 82.6 mile per hour exit velocity. A nice, easy swing. 
in the left field. He somehow, he knew it was coming. He knew how far he had to get that bat head out there to reach that slider away from him. And he did it. Somehow he did it. Somehow he got the bat head out there and he pulls it in the left field. I, In a million years, I would have never thought that he'd be able to get a pitch out there and pull it in the left field. But son of a gun, he does it. Ties the game up. It forces extra innings. Uh, the big storyline then is uh, what extra innings creates because it creates some serious drama. And that's exactly what it's supposed to do. Uh, Julio Rodriguez would kick things off against Karinchek with a single, a sharp single up the middle. Uh, they hold Toro, though, at third base, and that would prove costly. Rodriguez would even steal second base, and now you're thinking, not only are they going to take the lead, which extra innings is designed to do, but they're going to get an extra one run from Rodriguez taking second base. There's nobody out. He gets Winker to pop up the third base. Gets him to pop up in foul territory. Boom runners can advance one out. Ty France would fly out to shallow left field to Stephen Kwan. Boom, two outs, no runners advance. He would watch, walk Mitch Hanniger, which I thought they would do anyways, but it actually turns into a long at-bat. I mean, Hanniger has been killing us all season, and it ends up being a seven-pitch at-bat. He finally takes a curveball off the plate for ball four, so they walk Hanniger and loads the bases for Eugenio Suarez. And uh, Suarez is usually home run or nothing, but he battles here. He battles into... Let's see here. It's a full count, a 3-2 count, gets a curveball. This time on the plate, he swings at it, and he pops it up into center field, flies out to Miles Straw in center field. So Karinchek walks the tightrope and gets out of it. He survives the 10th inning. He survives that runner starting at second base. He survives loading the bases, and he gets Eugenio Suarez to fly out the center field. It was a weekly hit ball, 78.9 mile per hour exit velocity, uh, a bloop in the center field. That's an easy out for Miles Straw. All right, the Guardians turn. This is set up perfectly for a nice Guardians, you know, magic walk-off win right here. So Ahmed Rosario is the runner that starts at second. They intentionally walk Jose Ramirez. Of course they do. This Matthew Boyd in the pitch. Of course they're walking Ramirez. You're not messing with him in extra innings. Naylor, unfortunately, grounds into a double play. You know, the magic just isn't there for Naylor right now. He grounds into a double play. Ramirez tries his best to avoid the tag because the ball is grounded right to second base. So he tries to, you know, run back, backpedal a little bit, uh, pull that fielder towards him. The fielder makes the right play, which is just throw to first and get the out. Then you'll deal with the runner. They throw to second, and they tag out Ramirez going to second. So Ahmed Rosario does make it up to third, but a double play really sets them up to get out of the inning. Now, they don't want to face the righty in Oscar Gonzalez with the lefty Boyd on the mound, so they intentionally walk Gonzalez, put runners at the corner, brings up Andres Jimenez, who draws another walk. Andres Jimenez draws another walk, loads the bases for Tyler Freeman, the young rookie, and he flies out to right fielder Adam Frazier. So, unfortunately, can't get it done there. Uh, and then things would just unravel in the 11th. Trevor Steffen would come in to pitch. And frankly, he would be leaving the splitter up on this day. 
I just couldn't get that splitter down. Uh, Adam Frazier lines out to right fielder. Oscar Gonzalez to kick things off. And Eugenio Suarez is the runner that starts at second. J.P. Crawford singles on a ground ball into center field. He shoots one through. Suarez comes in to score. It's an offline throw from Miles Straw in center field who tried to throw Suarez out. If it's on target, they might have him, but it's way off to the right. Uh, Crawford moves up to second on the throw, and that brings up Cal Raleigh. And Cal freaking Raleigh. Okay, they got their one run across, but Stefan still has a chance here to control the situation you know, one run, it's what extra innings are designed to do, but we can survive that. But unfortunately, Cal freaking Raleigh, this guy in his last seven games has four home runs, most of them against us. He's hitting 278 on bases 364. He is slugging 944 over his last seven games. Cal Raleigh is in fuego right now. He, that's not his OPS. I didn't say OPS of 944. I said his slugging percentage is 944. His OPS is easily over 1,000. Uh, what does that even? What does that add up to? About 1,200 some, about 1,300 close to right there for his OPS. Uh, so yeah, not the guy you want to face. And frankly, Stefan just throws him too many splitters. Tries a first pitch slider, misses with a ball. Comes back with a splitter uh, down and away in that lower outside quadrant to the left-handed hitter. Called strike. Throws him another splitter. This one uh, down and in. And he swings through it for a strike. Tries to go with a splitter in the dirt. Okay, that's where it's supposed to be on a 1-2 count. Lays off it. 2-2 count now. Throws him another splitter to that lower outside quadrant. He fouls it off. Comes back, the sixth pitch of the at-bat, fifth splitter in a row. Doesn't try one high fastball to change the eye level. Basically, everything is just below the belt. Just five of the six pitches, except for that one splitter in the dirt, are just below the belt. He doesn't change the eye level at all. One fastball at the top of the zone would have done wonders, even if you missed with it. Six pitch of the at-bat is at almost the exact same spot that he had just fouled one off, and this one he does not miss. 111 mile per hour exit velocity, 417 out to right center field, a two-run home run, his 22nd on the season. So all this guy does right now is hit home runs, especially against Guardians pitching. And this is insurmountable now. It's a three-run rally in the top of the 11th for the Mariners, and it's too much. It's too much for the Guardians to overcome. Uh, they go one, two, three in the bottom of the eleventh inning, uh, and that's it. That's your ball game right there. So uh, it's a tough loss for the Guardians, who again put together some decent. Finally, put together some decent offense in this one. Finally, had some hits with runners in scoring position. Although they end up after extra innings going two for fourteen with runners in scoring position. Meanwhile, the Mariners were 4 for 15. There's your difference. There's your difference in the game. It's slight. It's a slight percentage better, but it is better. And the Mariners are able to scratch across a few more runs in extra innings and win this thing. Uh, There was some stuff that went down in the first half of the game. I am frustrated that the Guardians, once again, four games in a row, they have surrendered runs in the first inning. 
mean, it was the first batter, Julio Rodriguez, who had a monster game, by the way. Four for six with two runs scored, including a home run. Uh, a monster game from Julio Rodriguez. He kicks things off with a hit, but then a throwing error by Ahmed Rosario lets him move up to second, and then Ty France hits a double and drives him in. So already, boom, start of the game. Quantrill is already up against it. They have already put one on the board. That is four games in a row that our opponent has started by scoring in the first inning. That is not good. We have got to figure out how to get our starters off to a little better start than that. For a team that's struggling, you can't keep putting yourself in a hole like that in the first inning. And then even even if you think of this as two different games, right? That huge rain delay almost makes it feel like two different games. They come out in that fourth inning to kick off this restart, and they instantly score in that fourth inning. Now, they started with two runners on base, so Henches definitely had his work cut out for him. Uh, In fact, he gets a double play, and the run comes in to score on the double play. So it's And then he gets a strikeout. So And then he strikes out the side in the next inning. So Henches, frankly, pitched very well in this one. I just That's really not fair to come into the game after the rain delay with runners on first and second. Uh, you're really up against it. And so they get a run there to kick off the restart. So it almost feels like five games in a row. They've started with a run in that first inning and really put the Guardians on their heels. So that's... Not great. What is great is we were able to respond at least in the first inning, right? We put together our own two-out rally with Ramirez and then Naylor doubling into the gap, Ramirez scoring all the way from first base. So at least we were able to do that and respond. But still, it is not what you want to see from your starters. You want to see your starter, boom, go out there at home, one, two, three, get your offense up. That's, I mean, that's the vibe you're looking for. When you're giving up runs in the first inning, I mean, you were just making it exponentially more difficult on yourself. So that's, you know, one note I had from sort of the first half of this game. Uh, You know, something something that I I wanted to make sure we mentioned in this episode because we're really something we've got. That streak has to end. That's we we finally got an RBI in this game. So that streak came to an end. You know, we were able to score some runs. So that streak kind of comes to an end. This is the streak now that has to end, is giving up runs in the first inning. All right, I think that's all my thoughts on this one. MVP on the day. I'm going to give it to Oscar Gonzalez. I think that at-bat in the eighth inning was huge, with two outs and that runner stranded at third base to tie the game up in the eighth inning. Even though we don't come through and win, it was just, it was a guy recognizing exactly what they were doing to him and coming up with a plan on how to beat it. Now, it's not the plan I would have used. Like I said, I would have gone to right field if I could. But it's what Oscar Gonzalez could do. He said, I can get that bad head out there. I can pull this ball. I can drive this guy in. So for that, for a really, really good at bat at the end of the game, late in the game when we needed him, Oscar Gonzalez is walking away with, you know, not the win. The Guardians don't get the win, but at least he's walking away with a consolation prize. MVP on the day from our tiny little podcast. All right. That's all my thoughts on this one. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland baseball nightly. You know, at least we showed some fight in this one. You could you could tell I'm in a different mood, right? We showed some fight in this one. There were some things to talk about, some details and strategy and, and pitch sequencing. And, 
you know, some good approaches at the plate from some of our hitters. Uh, there was This was a baseball game. These last few blowouts have not been baseball games worth talking about. This one was a baseball game. It was a battle between two teams out there. So I had fun with this one. I hope you enjoyed listening to the episode. Remember, uh, again, the final from Cleveland. It's the Mariners 6, the Guardians 3. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris if you want to jump into that conversation that was started with Quincy and pulled in Will Hood. And I know Jeff, one of the guys that tweets at us all the time, got in on that conversation a little bit. So if you want to jump in on that, it's at Davey Barris. You can email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com, just like Ken did. Let us know your thoughts on this, what's going on, this losing streak being tied with the Minnesota Twins again atop the American League Central, losing our grip on the Central Division with the White Sox also right on our heels. Let me know your thoughts and we'll discuss them on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Anchor, so if you go to anchor.fm forward slash Cleveland Baseball Mornings, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play them back on the air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Nightly.